This is day three of the uh, retreat together. I would like this morning to uh, go over the steps of the day by day and therefore to include the instructions again from the first day to yesterday and also with regard <coughs> to today with references to the four postures. Remembering there isn't any hierarchy in these uh, meditations, that these meditations, <coughs> pardon me, these meditations have a uh, value unto, them, <coughs> unto themselves, we might say. So the initial aspect with the posture, uh, in all f- the postures, that the spine is straight. That expansion uh, with the spine, we sit tall, we stand tall, we recline long. With the uh, posture settling in, we may, as we wish, put the hands in the lap, one on top of the other, or we may put the hands on uh, on the legs, on the, on the knees. Mindfulness with the breathing is to include the whole breathing experience therefore we are drawing in the air up through the nose, down through the throat into the lungs and then uh, releasing it it is worthwhile to be a little extra mindful on the outgoing breath quite often at that time our mind more easily wanders there are a few moments possibly between the ending of the out breath and the beginning, <coughs> and the beginning of the in breath uh, there. Also, another period there. Sometimes, it does happen with uh, people in the mindfulness of the breathing, even right at the beginning, that a sudden anxiety could land uh, on the breath, and that uh, anxiety is, oh, I can't get my breath. Um, gosh, maybe I'm going to have a heart attack or whatever it might be. Well, so far, I can only say in 50 odd years in the meditation environment, we have a 100% success rate. Everybody who breathed out also then breathed in and then breathed out. So nothing is perfect, but one can have some confidence based on scientific-based evidence. So there is the breathing in which takes place, and there is the breathing out uh, which takes place. There are aspects to this process which, from time to time, please do remember. It's a little extra addition with the mindfulness. So what that means is, one is that uh, the benefit of witnessing change taking place to to notice the change in the sensations in the body changes in where the breath reaches down inside of the body uh, changes in other sensations changes in the departure from the breath as we listened to uh, yesterday uh, evening it is very very easy to spend quite a lot of time that is our life drifting 
away from the living present, away from the experience of life, into a substitute world. One of them, as we heard, is the daydream. It is the fantasy. Uh, in, in Britain, uh, on average, people are watching um, television, not the young generation, they think it's out of date, which it is, um, around 24 hours a week. That's one full day a week, that's 10 years out of 70. Tragic waste. Tragic it is. But the young generation shouldn't smile too much at the older generation, generation watching TV. What about the mobile phone? What about the tablet? Etc. So it takes a quiet discipline uh, here to conserve and be respectful for our energies, not put so much of it into the substitute world. And, and that vibrancy with that, so then when we have something to look at, something to write on the screen, a text to send, or whatever it might be, yes, we can deal with that, but we know hand on heart, little of the day is given to that world, maximum of the day is given to the world that we live in, which is in so urgent need of a sensitive, respectful attention. It's urgently needed. Not a little bit. For us, for our generation, for the environment, and for future generations of people, animals, and the nature. So we, we are making a shift. We are quietly using the technology uh, which is around us, but it's the primary. If in the meditation, in the sitting posture, you're experiencing um, some um, aches and pains, it might be just physical, it might be mostly emotional, mental, or it might be a mixture of the two. It is not always easy to know what is what, but it's certainly worthwhile being mindful and meditating upon. So, we are sitting for a period of time, and then some pain arises in a part of the body. The thought usually is, it's only about the pain in the body, and my mind is just witnessing it. It doesn't take much for that pain in the body to become stress. Stress meaning that there is some reaction, usually resistance, the desire to control, to uh, put pressure on to try and overcome, and that adds to it. So the mind is involved, the body is involved, they've got entangled and caught up together, and the outcome of that is an increasing level in the pain. We know bodily pain when it is just bodily pain because there is calmness in the mind, there is relaxation in the mind, there is a quiet witnessing in the mind, and there is a seeing of the subtleties of the variety of sensations that are going on. Then that's 
the bodily event in which there is a quiet witnessing without the control, the pressure, the agitation which links uh, in, into it. Sometimes there is this phenomenon which takes place to give an example of uh, what I mean. Quite some years ago, this case in retreat centre in Barry, Massachusetts, USA, one person, wonderful man, actually a young um, Jesuit priest, he had lost both legs in a railway accident. And he would come into the hall on his wheelchair there, lift himself off, get onto the floor and sit. And from time to time, he said, he needed to open his eyes because he was experiencing pain in the knees and pain in the ankle and it couldn't be possible because the legs had been amputated from above the knees. And sometimes the power of the memory, the power of the image is so strong, the power of the past. But that imagination, phantom as they sometimes call it, lands uh, in the present and one is experiencing something in sensations which is not, there's no evidence, it's not there. So we need to be connect and understand really the influence of the old landing in the present on the object. You're waiting for the end of the sitting. Waiting is a polite word for desperately hoping as quickly as possible that the gong will ring and you can get out of the posture. Uh, so you come to that end. You're a, as I mentioned in the last retreat, you're a very devout uh, atheist. You think the idea of, of God is for kindergarten people. And in the waiting for the end of it, the pressure of the waiting, perhaps he's gone into samadhi or a coma up there or something and has completely forgotten us, etc., and then you find yourself, this dedicated atheist, praying to God, please God, let it be over with as soon as possible. I'll do anything. <laughs> Whatever. So sometimes, for some people, in the deep of the being, one doesn't quite realise what, what deep is, and sometimes it's almost a it is a surprise to us what emerges out of the out of the deep. The Buddha's view on this is the Buddha is completely comfortable with the language and the use of the word God, and he is completely comfortable without any use of the word God. That's his view, and it's my view as well. It's not an anti-God teaching. It's not a no-God teaching. The word Brahma it means God. Buddhists can't avoid all this, but it means God. Anyone who's been to India for any length of time knows what it means. <coughs> so the sometimes, just a little bit uh, uh, on that, the I try and keep it to a sentence uh, here. To really to listen 
and the language of uh, God. For some people, as I saw with my uh, mum, very devout, religious, uh, deep believer in God, prayed every day to God, uh, there. It gave her enormous comfort in the latter period of her life, immense consolation, it offered her peace of mind there. I may not believe in this God who loves us and prays, not my thing. But my goodness me, I prefer respect the men, women and children who really find a, a central element, G-O-D, which gives comfort and gives some peace of mind and gives some trust and makes dying and death much more easy. Other ways as well to find peace with ageing and sickness and pain and uh, death. And I think it's a foolish and rather patronising and arrogant really to dismiss those who have a love of God. And some of us, not our thing, we can explore ways in other, other ways. Coming back to the... Uh, <laughs> To the theme, I could go off on a roll on that one, but I'm trying to be a mindfulness meditation teacher. So, in the breath, and then we expanding out to include the body. Uh, the extraordinary thing to be in relationship with the body. Extraordinary thing. So, the initial aspect is that mindfulness with regard to the painful areas I just spoke to you about seeing if we can just be rather calm and steady with the painful areas if it's too much tension and pressure and control which is, oh, that one really we need our alertness then that exploring of those painful regions in a relaxed way can contribute to dissolving them it will expand our pain horizons and we will need less medication and make a contribution to putting the pharmaceutical industry out of business. What could be better? So our meditations and our practices can really work uh, well and it's coming into the sitting when you enter the hall there. General uh, suggestion is make each sitting really valid as if this is your last day on earth, there is no tomorrow, there is nothing whatsoever to look forward to, you've got no time to waste uh, indulging in fantasies, daydreams and the past, this is it, right on the edge, consciousness is right on the edge of existence, it's, that's how it is, it's right on the edge, it's on the edge of time, past, present and future, but it's equally on the edge of the time less, the death less. It's extraordinary thing, human being to be right on the edge of things as we as we are. We then expanding um, uh, terms of with regard uh, to the, the body and more today to the whole of the body. I just want to touch on this relationship to the, uh, uh, the body here. So one, in the, relation, in the relationship to the body, 
is usually it's in the languages of I and my. I am sitting here, this is my leg, this is my arm, this is my body. So the I am sitting here is an expression of identification. I making an entity with the body. This is who I am. I am the body. I am sitting here. It doesn't stay like that though. The experience, the evidence, keeps refuting. Understand the word refuting? Because it offers another alternative, which is experience, which is known, common, and it goes from identification with to ownership of my leg, my body, my arm, my this, my that. So once it's identification with, this is who I am, then another, it's, there is a gap, there is a space, and the my says, oh, it's my leg, my arm. But it doesn't end there either. Times in a relationship, it's just the body. You get up in the morning, or night, or in the day, and what happens? I'll make the, 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 the pilgrimage to the toilet, and you know, sit on the toilet, shit, you have a piss, or whatever else we do, there. But one doesn't say, oh my God, I'm losing some of I. A bit of me is going down the toilet. It was rude, we were so close together. And now I'm so happy. In the toilets in um, Bodhgaya, had signs put up in every toilet. Wolf will appreciate this. It said, for Dharma bums only. So sometimes, this, the I and my, but we're glad, we're so happy, God, you know, we, we blow our nose, you know, oh my God, it's not, I'm really missing something in my life, I just let go of this, etc. So, regularly, regularly, we're quite happy that we're not seeing it in terms of I and my. I wonder how many of you have seen lots and lots of corpse, corpses, dead bodies. My years in the East, because it tends to be hidden in the West. Oh, we mustn't look at that. Oh, yes, we must. My goodness me. And there are nine kinds of corpses. I've seen them all. Old age, sickness, Accident, drowned, burnt, murdered, died on the operating table, and more. Dead babies, children, teenagers, adults, and the elderly, and the very elderly. In the monastery, we went to the hospital, to the basement, to see the corpses, to witness it. The, corp the people came with their dead. 
in the ground, in the, just in the center of the, there, the ground probably about the same size in the center of the monastery as here, and in the middle, there was the wood. The bodies were not in a coffin, placed on the wood, we witnessed it. We engaged in the death chant, reminded each other of the importance of impermanence, we witnessed it. We lived close to death as we lived close to life, as a contribution to being with the real. We may not have that opportunity there, but in our meditations and in our explorations, let us see this physical form, this body, with love, with respect, with care for, in such a way that the kindness and the care for shows a great respect for life, for biological life, with all the nutrition that's required for it all the appreciations of the small gestures, how this tiny little eyeball, so sensitive, we do not want even our finger to touch the eyeball. And this remarkable in instrument, we might say, this small expression in the evolution of our life allows us to look up at the night sky and see the stars. That is breathtaking. That is extraordinary to have that privilege of looking out on the universe and experiencing it. We're not going to surely sacrifice that and live in a daydream. Goodness me. Similarly with the, with the flower, with the, uh, 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 with the birds here, so loving and trusting as they are and much more. So our, we appreciate the body, we appreciate the senses embedded uh, uh, with the body. We take care of the whole being and at the same time we know this is body is subject to birth, it is subject to ageing, it is subject to pain and it is subject to death. And in spite of all of that there, there is still much to be grateful for in being human. It goes both ways. In the depth, and two of you uh, in the last uh, couple of days have uh, kindly shared with myself in the one-to-ones a very, very similar uh, experience, lots of parallels there. So what I refer to here, there's the breath, there is the body, there is the quiet silences and stillnesses of the day, sitting, walking, standing and reclining. And sometimes in this quiet, organic uh, depth, sensitivity and connectedness which takes place, it quietly, quietly goes deeper. It can go deeper in a very gradual way when we are not making demands on ourselves nor on others there's the quietness of the being with the four postures and that gives the opportunity to go a little deeper 
it can be that in the touch of going in a bit deeper some of that which is old which needs our attention will emerge through it rather regularly happens a person may have a calm and clear precious lovely wonderful meditation sitting, walking, standing or reclining or with all four or whatever it might be really wonderful precious calm meditation and then a moment later a day later and usually within 24 hours or, or so it may well be that there's a sudden volcanic eruption in the being and a lot of stuff starts coming up it isn't easy to handle it may not seem like it but it's healthy it's healthy because it's coming out of the dark it's coming into the light of consciousness and once it's in the light of consciousness there is some opportunity to look at it, to witness it, to work with it, to see it change, to let it go to understand that process just as our wonderful therapists and psychologists and many others they're engaged in the invitation with their precious clients to let that which is in the dark be in the consciousness where it can be attended to that's the great task of such caring people so the same response as I say with the old easily can arise here it can be such with the force of it that it can really seem really overwhelming just so much in one go it's hard to handle if I may say You've got a guy sitting up the front. His door is over there. He's out on the doing his walking meditations. He's in here. Find me. You don't have to sit and suffer and suffer and suffer. So sometimes it moves, it comes up through the consciousness. It's a little bit overwhelming. It's just too much to cope with. This can then trigger some more anxiety and fears about going crazy or falling apart or whatever it might be uh, so if things get a bit too much that means it stays then you just find me and I promise you 24-7 time to time been very quiet so far thank God <laughs> and, but sometimes it's been the middle of the night knock on the door Christopher Christopher I am in a so and sometimes just some fears worries anxiety what's going on with me what's all this about but there's just enough calm and clarity just enough to say okay this is the wave this is the wave I'm passing through and it just passes through so in other words sometimes with the deep it's not always uh, beautiful there are issues which need some attention there is enough space inside that's the depth will allow that and then it just 
emerges, it comes up. And we shouldn't think we should be able to handle everything by ourselves. Therefore, we say, okay, there's a guy here, he knows these experiences, he's been through this, etc. Okay. Leave a note or just find me, whatever. There are times as well, coming back to the quietness of the, of the being, one of the Achilles heels, and you know the word Achilles heel, so the weak spot with the meditation. Always important to acknowledge weak spots. So one of them is we sometimes get the idea that if I meditate, let's say, on an issue in my life, and keep meditating on it and get some further reflection and some insight into it, that eventually I'll get clear, and with the clarity that comes, this will enable me to act with more trust or more confidence or more direction or whatever. So very easily we can put the meditation first, do the preparation work, get clear, and then, then make the steps, etc. It is, it can be true for some. Nevertheless, we wish to be mindful of, it will not, this is the, the weak spot, it, meditation, mindfulness, reflection, and even with the best of Dharma teachers, even with the best of psychotherapists, it doesn't necessarily mean that the resolution is in the communication with oneself, nor is the resolution in communication with the other. That's exaggerating it. So what I mean by that, essentially, sometimes the resolution to an issue is the action. It is the action. And without the action, in some cases, it's important to know yourself with this. Without the action, we can keep working on the same issue days, weeks, months or years and when it's not being resolved, a fresh identity easily emerges and the identity is born in the consciousness due to feeling sorry for oneself. And the feeling sorry for oneself, when repeated, is called being a victim. The self, the ego, the ahamkara, the self-making activity, lands, and because it's not the clarity or the resolution, with the best of support from outside, the best of intentions from inside, there, and therefore one st starts feeling more and more sorry for oneself, it's still stopping me, it's blocking me, it's not enabling me, and that feeling, to repeat, of sorry for oneself, one's got an identity called a victim. It's difficult, it is difficult. 
So then we, we are wish to be honest with ourselves in such a circumstance and say the energy so important and so vital the energy is one which as the Buddha commented and spoke about action so frequently that the energy has to be used for an action for the resolution. Some people are very depressed about the global situation. They could go into therapy, but sometimes they just go to a group. Those people just go in a demonstration, they act, and suddenly that action lifts away their depression, lifts away their anxiety. Why? Because that man, that woman, and that child has been empowered through the action. And having many conversations and meetings and involvement in actions, I hear it regularly. So if it, that can work so well, not always of course, but work so well, are there actions actually in this retreat which would be beneficial for you? Therefore it's not just sitting, walking, standing and reclining for some of you. So keeping this exploration open. Finally, nearly finally, with the quiet energies that arise, these, the energies of the human being really can get really quite subtle. Those energies may touch feelings, that the feelings get energised with the energies. Sometimes there's a real feeling of happiness and joy and gladness and the energies meet with the feeling and the energies and the feelings touch the consciousness consciousness loves it of course appreciate it it feels really healthy and there we're not making any demands on the world that the energies and the meditations the reflections and the happiness and joy fuse together many deep expressions of this. If you're experiencing that during the day or night, meditation method and technique and form must take second place to that experience. Do not use that experience and say, wow, I'm really getting somewhere at last. And then the ego will come in and it will put pressure to get deeper. Oh, I'm really happy, wow. Maybe I can get some real more happiness, you know, if I push myself a bit harder, if I sit a lot longer, or whatever it might be. You, you, you'll disrupt the organic movement. So as I say, when engaged in the meditation, sometimes energies, uh, sweet, precious, beautiful feelings, kindness, love, happiness, joy, Serenity and much, much more just are just present. Rest with those. Sense those. Be with that. As it quietly fades, recognizing that, and then quietly continuing with the meditations. There. Sometimes with the energies there. Yeah, we touch and it could be in a single moment 
so it's not so gradual so you're just sitting, walking, standing on the <coughs> and sometimes some energy just gets released out and, and we have a dark we have, sorry, we have a, a vast exploration I, I, some years ago when I was um, if I may say starting a relationship so some, some years ago now and in a poem 